Hey everyone, I'm Bobby Sylvester, and today Tags and I are going to be joined by Jeff Ratcliffe, but first I want to talk to you all about pristineauction.com. We've got the signed Odell Beckham jersey giveaway going on right now, and sign-ups end Sunday. All you have to do to enter is screenshot your iTunes review and subscription to us at contest at fancypros.com. Pristine Auction is also giving away a signed Ladinian Tom Watson helmet, a customized Patriots guitar signed by Tom Brady. They have all kinds of great memorabilia, so check them out, and when you support them, please make sure to let them know Fantasy Pro sent you. That way we can keep doing these giveaways. All right, let's talk some football. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. Tags, I hope you're starting to prepare for next year's combine because it is going to be ugly for you, man. Oh no, it's not. We've had uh, we've had the results of our poll come in. I'm, we're going to ask our guest today about this poll, and we're going to see if he just if he thinks that you're as ludicrous as I do, um, because you lost that poll like easily. Like you are the severe underdog. I want to say it's like eighty four percent to sixteen percent. Eighty eight to twelve. I love being the underdog. I know what Jeff is going to say. I've got a lot of facts to back it up, so I'm ready for it. Anyway, our guest today is Jeff Ratcliffe of ProFootballFocus.com. He's always among the most accurate experts for draft rankings and in-season weekly rankings. His IDP work is top-notch, too. Jeff, thanks for joining us again. Uh, throwback to the IDP. You know, I, I hate to break it to folks. They just don't have enough time for IDP anymore. I know it's kind of like the end of an era, but uh, definitely appreciate the kind words, and I'm happy to be here, guys. Yeah, we understand, man. IDP is so much work, and uh, if you're playing an IDP league, like, it's a lot of fun, but... I think it kind of just drains the rest of fantasy football. So it's not my thing, but, you know, he did do incredible work there. Yeah, Jeff was pretty phenomenal when it came to it. And the fact of that matter is Jeff still knows the defensive players, so it's going to help him in the long run. And t- like, the more you know about the game of football, the better you're going to be at fantasy football. So the fact exactly. that Jeff understands that side, those side of things, it just makes him that much more intelligent and that much better at the game of fantasy football. You guys make me sound a lot better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeff, let's uh, let's get to this real quick, okay? So the bet is, and I know what you're going to say, but let, let's just hear it anyway, okay? The loser of this bet has to do the NFL Combine events and post it on Twitter. So it's Amari Cooper face Sammy Watkins for points per game. So, you know, injuries are taken into account. Obviously, Watkins has an injury history, but it's points per game. So I'm assuming you have Amari Cooper here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not as down on Sammy Watkins as some people are. I, I okay. think that... Jared Goff's going to take a step forward. People immediately write him off. And and this isn't a Ryan Leaf scenario. I mean, Goff maybe maybe went, should have went first, whatever. You could split hairs there. Yeah. Goff has some skill, and he's going to be in an offense that's more amenable to his skill set this year. But that being said, Amari Cooper, I mean, showed it in the third preseason game. The question with him is, can he sustain it throughout the course of the entire season? But I, I got to go with Cooper there. So you got to do all the the combine events, huh? <laughs> yeah, Bobby's going to be right. doing all them because he, he Bobby has got like an eleven inch vert. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll see about that. Uh, I want to make my case for Sammy Watkins really quick. Okay, uh, first of all, Oakland has the second hardest schedule strength this year in the passing game. Sammy Watkins is the better athlete in combine. Uh, he has less competition. Michael Crabtree's still there. The Rams don't have anywhere. Anyone anywhere close to that. Plus, there's this, okay? Tyrod Taylor had less passing yards than Keenum and Goff combined last year. In their last 16 healthy games, Watkins has eight less receptions, 
200 extra yards and double the touchdowns as Amari Cooper. Um, you know, as we mentioned, health is involved here. Watkins has the injury history. Otherwise, I think his ADP would be right up there with Amari Cooper. So uh, I'm a big believer in Sammy Watkins still. I'm still willing to take him in the fourth, fifth round. I'd take him even higher than that if he was being drafted higher. But I just think Amari Cooper is a little overrated and Sammy Watkins is way underrated right now. Hold on a second. So uh, so as for the whole Sammy Watkins thing, I'm actually with Jeff on this where I'm not like completely off Sammy Watkins. I got him in, a, in an auction last night, in an industry auction for $12. And I, I mean, I'll take Sammy Watkins. I think he's a low end wide receiver too. But let's not pretend going from Tyrod Taylor to Jared Goff is, is not a significant downgrade to Watkins. You could talk about the targets, but Sammy Watkins, when he was actually playing playing the, the games that you're referring to Bobby his his who was he playing with Robert Woods I mean who who is it who is the sidekicks there now Cooper Cup LaShawn McCoy the Bills had 28 yeah, rushing a, touchdowns that's last a running, year that's a running back though you're I'm talking about the wide receiving cast Cooper Cup is arguably fits the skill set of Jared Goff much better than Sammy Watkins does again I'm not completely off Watkins I'm not saying that but to say that Watkins is going to outperform Cooper I think is a very, very, very long shot. And if and if it happens, Bobby, I'm going to be more than happy to do that combine. But I'm just telling you now, it's not happening. I'm going to be videotaping it. It is going to be beautiful. I can't wait for it. <laughs> so, oh, guys, man. our show today, I think this is maybe the most important show of the season. I mean, Sleepers is fun. We're going to be doing hot takes later in the week, which is going to be a blast, too. But today, we're going to be taking an overarching look at all of our best advice. We're going to be going round by round, explaining our favorite targets based on value. So if you're listening to just one show before the draft this weekend, this is the show you're looking for. But first, we obviously need to talk about this Ezekiel Elliott situation. It seems like Zeke's appeal is going to be headed to court. Jeff, it sounds like he's going to be playing week one. How long can he draw this out? I don't know if it sounds like he's playing in week one. Mike Florio speculated there, but a few things do need to take place in order for that to happen. First and foremost, an injunction needs to happen before week one, and we have a quick turnaround there. So that actually, that legal process would have to play out. And then you have to guarantee that Roger Goodell doesn't put the hammer down and say, all right, well, you're on the exempt list then, and you can't play. So there's a number of things there. With Elliot, I think at this point we're we're all speculating. We just need to operate under the assumption that he has a six game suspension and it starts in week one, and that means you draft him at the end of the second, beginning of the third round. I would I would agree with Jeff here. I I'm I'm not touching Zeke. There's just too many questions surrounding the thing. And even if he plays week one, it's against the Giants. It's not like it's a great matchup or anything like that. For like you know, with the possibility that he does drag it out in court, it's possible that he misses even more important games in your fantasy season in the fantasy playoffs. There's just so many questions around it. If you do draft Zeke, if you feel the need to do it, I think late second is the earliest. But for me, he's an early third round pick. And if you do draft him, reach for someone like Darren McFadden in like the eighth or ninth round. It's actually better if Zeke just misses the first six games because I don't know if you've seen the schedule for the Cowboys, but those first five games are extremely hard. It's going to be uh, a struggle for Darren McFadden. Everyone's really excited about him. I'm sure he's going to get a lot of touches probably, but you know, those, that schedule is just not exciting. So I'm really hoping as a Zeke owner that Zeke misses those first six games and maybe it does get cut down to four. Uh, I'm drafting him in the middle of the second round. I'm a little higher than you guys. I know he's going to miss a lot of games, but you know when you get him back, if he's playing in those fantasy playoffs, you just can't replace that in the second round. Yeah, it's just tough with missing over the half the the fantasy regular season because his buy is in week seven. So therefore, you're missing him for seven of the thirteen regular season games. I just I can't advocate that. Like you can you can't win your fantasy football league in the first two rounds, but you can lose it. And Ezekiel Elliott, can I think cause you, you can. Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson carried teams to the playoffs last year. VBD well over 150. 
It's a, it's a historic performances out of those two. It's historic. And I mean, this year you're paying for it. So that's the thing. Do you think those, I, I think we're going to talk about that here. I think you're going to say, do you see those guys that can win you a league in the first two rounds? I think we're going to talk about that in today's show. Yeah, absolutely. So I've had a bunch of people contact me before we move on to the main part of the show. I've had a bunch of people contact me asking about defense and special teams advice. Everyone who listens to the show knows I don't draft defense. I don't draft kickers. I just draft backup running backs unless it's like the day before the season because someone could get hurt. Then you've got a starting running back on your hands. Worst case scenario, you just pick up a defense. But in much deeper leagues or leagues with paid transactions, there is one defense I've been making sure to get, and it's the Steelers. They get the Browns, Vikings, Bears, Ravens, Jaguars, and Chiefs to kick off the season. You don't have to worry about streaming. You can get them for dirt cheap. Who's your defense special teams, Jeff? Yeah, I've been looking at them. I'm honestly just looking at week one, and I don't know if we're going to toss the Chiefs in there as a, as a pushover by any means. Uh, Alex Smith has played really well this preseason. I think he's got the message. Uh, Tyreek Hill really struggled in this third preseason game, but you know there's upside there. We could possibly see Chris Connolly take a step forward. Obviously, Kelsey, yeah. and everybody's talking about Kareem Hunt. Finally, welcome to late April when we were talking about him all the time at Pro Football Focus. But uh, either way, you know, I, I I think you look at Deshaun Kaiser under center for the first week of the season. Giddy up, uh, and and especially if they end up signing Joe Hayden, which it sounds like they may end up doing so. Joe Hayden still has a little bit of gas left in the tank. He was just making too much money for that team. Yeah, and that's that's the rumor is that uh, Antonio Brown is vying for Joe Joe Hayden, saying that he wants the Steelers to sign him. It would just help their cornerback depth and the addition of Watt to the defense. Like they they didn't really have significant losses this offseason, the Steelers. So their defense could be taking a step forward. They have a great schedule. Uh, I've been looking at Week One as well. I think Jacksonville is a defense that that I'll end yeah. up in with. More t- and more leagues than not, because I just think that they're a team that can go out through the entire season and finish as like a top five defense. I think it took some time for them to gel last year, but as you saw the season go on, they got better and better and better, and then they go out and add Clayus Campbell, AJ Boye, and this defense just looks like it's set to make a, a strong run. And that's the issue with this Jaguars quarterback situation, right? Is that everybody's like, oh, they're going to tank this year and they're just going to get a high quarter, uh, quarterback in the draft. The problem is that their defense is too good to allow that to happen. They're not going to finish as a bottom five team. That's not going to happen. So I think they need to figure out this quarterback situation sooner rather than later. And I think a trade for Alex Smith may be in order towards the end, you know, towards that trade deadline. I'm not going to dismiss that. I think that's a realistic possibility. That's interesting. I don't know if it would improve them that much. I'm not saying Alex Smith isn't better than Blake Bortles. But I am saying I don't think he's that much better where he can just step into a new offense and carry this team to the playoffs. You look at what the Texans did last year, and uh, their defense completely carried them. I think Blake Bortles is probably better than their quarterback situation. Everyone's talking about the Texans going to the playoffs. I think this defense is good enough to get the Jaguars to the playoffs. Just get give the Bortles thing up, right, Jeff? Just, just tell him to stop. He, he had, he had the off ramp. I he did, refu- but I'm, you're, you're telling me you're telling me that Tom Savage is better than Blake Bortles. He might be. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, no uh, way, uh, dude. No, I mean they're they're both in the same <laughs> realm. I mean, why do we even care? Right. <laughs> Bortles is a better quarterback. Bortles is a better quarterback. Tom Savage is a better fit in Houston because he knows Bill O'Brien's crazy, complicated offense, um, and Deshaun Watson doesn't, and it showed in this preseason. That's why he's performed really poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's get on to this. We're going to talk about the first round first. And we'll talk about the best values here. I think it's obviously number one and number two. But besides that, I think there's a pretty steep drop off right after number eight with A.J. Green. I would prefer A.J. Green quite a bit more than LaShawn McCoy or Melvin Gordon or Devontae Freeman. Where do you guys stand here? I, I think this year you have to take the the first seven. Uh, you know, you have the big two at running back and then the top five wide receivers. But uh, depends on your starting lineup requirements. I mean, if you're starting two wide receivers... 
your wide receiver depth on waivers is going to be insane this year. You know, that's why I always advocate three starting wide receiver spots. It totally devalues that wide receiver position. So you don't need to prioritize those guys as early. So then you look at, at Gordon McCoy is a little concerning because of the state of the offense, but they're going to get him the ball. And that offensive line still has talent. It's just state of the offense and his age. Melvin Gordon is really intriguing this year though. Anthony Lynn, a head coach, uh, so bringing that run game in, there's no competition for touches. He's already looked good in the preseason. He looks like he's well beyond that injury from last year. So that'd be the one scenario where I might be tempted to bump Gordon uh, or McCoy up uh, above uh, the sort of Evans, A.J. Green mini tier there is if I don't have uh, three starting wide receivers. That's bold. I mean, I know. I mean, me with Gordon, I've talked about it on this show before, and I know Bobby. I'm, I'm interested to hear Bobby's thought on that because I know Bobby. I want to say he's got Gordon outside of his top 20 players. So I know Bobby's no, low on not, Melvin. Not Gordon. that far, but it's close. But yeah, but me, I mean, me, I want to be in the middle of the round. If, if I'm not getting one of those top two picks, like people have asked me before, what pick would you pick? You know, if I have the selection, you take number two because I preferred Le- Le'Veon Bell number one, but you can't make a wrong choice. If someone takes in there, you get David Johnson at two. Okay, con- you know, consolation prize. But if you miss out on those picks, uh, I-, I definitely want to be, I think a top five pick, top six pick is ideal. Jeff said seven. I actually, I think that's fantastic too, because I'm okay with AJ Green or Mike Evans. Which one? I think it depends on which day you ask me. I think AJ Green might be a little bit more safer when he's on the field. Uh, Mike Evans has a lot of things changing around him, but his ceiling is massive because, you know, there's no other touchdown scorer on that team. Whereas, you know, AJ Green, there's so many guys in that team that are going to catch passes, uh, including Tyler Eifert ceiling, you know, that that red zone works. So yeah, the easiest pick in this round for me is Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, it's Le'Veon Bell for me too. In fact, I just traded a ton. I traded 1.7, my second and my fourth to move up and get Le'Veon Bell. I also got like a seventh and ninth back. But if you look at the VBD, what Le'Veon Bell was doing last year pro-rated would have been the best fantasy season in 10 years. 2,500 yards from scrimmage. If he can stay healthy, he will single-handedly carry you to the playoffs. Enough that I was willing to give up my first, second, and fourth to get it. Because if you look at their expected VBDs with uh, that seventh overall pick, second round, fourth round, it falls quite a bit short. Like we're talking 40 points short. So I would have actually given up more. I just think having a first or second round, first or second overall pick is just huge this year. And that's why you got to do auction drafts because someone's going to get lucky. I think that's too much. I mean, I, I, I granted you've done a lot of work on this. I know Jeff, you've done a keeper chart too, in terms of like what the value of draft picks is. What do you think of that trade? Like me personally, uh, you said one seven in the second round. So you're talking about like the middle of the second round uh, when you're landing, you know, a, you know, a workhorse running back or sometimes even Michael Thomas. What do you think of that trade, Jeff? I think it's too much to give up. Now I, I should note that I'm very conservative when it comes to, to trades. So I, I wouldn't have made that move. The, the second round pick is too much of a premium for me. And as you go further and further, like those seventh and the ninth round picks you got back, there's really not that big of a difference between those picks, much less comparing those to the second round pick. So I, I can understand why you did it. You go after Bell. I don't know if Bell is a slam as much of a slam dunk as, as he's being made out to be here, though. And there's one big, glaring, humongous reason why. Last year, carries inside the five-yard line. David Johnson had 25 of them. Only one player had more, and that was LeGarrette Blunt. Le'Veon Bell had seven. Now, he didn't play the entire season. He didn't play as many games as Johnson did, but he had seven. Seven, that's it. That's a huge concern. Now, Johnson scored 20 combined touchdowns. I think we have an indication of why. 
Bell Bell had three end zone targets though, and Johnson led the position as well there with thirty or with thirty five end zone <laughs> targets. That would have been a record. <laughs> five end zone targets, so thirty combined between his uh, twenty five carries inside the five yard line and his five end zone targets. Lots of looks in that premium area of the field. Bell not as much, and that was the big the biggest difference between the two. It wasn't touches. Bell twenty eight touches a game. Uh, uh, Johnson essentially twenty seven. Uh, people will say twenty three point three, but that includes week seventeen when he basically played like a dozen snaps. So that's the huge difference. I don't know if it's as big of a, a drop off as 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 maybe it's being made out to be here. I think we see some regression with David Johnson, positive regression with Le'Veon Bell. But, you know, from a touch standpoint, though, in a PPR, I do agree it's Bell. My advice has always been Johnson in standard, Bell in PPR. But come on, bro, you have the first pick. So you're splitting (laughs) hairs, you know, ultimately. I I think, though, ultimately, back to the trade, yeah, it's a little too much for me. But I'm not an aggressive trader, so I have to tell you my bias. Here's who it ended up being, okay? Le'Veon Bell, Sammy Watkins, and Eric Decker for Odell Beckham, Melvin Gordon, and Dalvin Cook. So we did get some real nice players. Beckham fell to seven. Gordon fell to, uh, to 14 there. Um, you know, but I, I'm really happy with, uh, with getting Bell there. So it looks about even at this point to me. I want to circle back to, uh, to Melvin Gordon here though. The reason I don't like him, you compare what he did to Todd Gurley over the past two years. They're virtually the same exact player. Uh, the, the Rams added Whitworth, the Chargers added several pieces of their offensive line, but the Chargers also get back Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry improves, Mike Williams is going to be back probably in October at some point. I think the, the Chargers are just going to pass more, and I think that he loses the volume, whereas Gurley doesn't lose the volume. So I think they're virtually the same player. I mean, you look at their efficiency rates, they're both under four yards per carry. Uh, neither of them scored a ton of touchdowns. I know Gordon did last year, but the year before, just zero. So I just don't think he's that impressive to me. Jeff, what's your concern? Are you concerned with Gordon losing some of the passing down work to Brandon Oliver? No, not at all. Do we not know what Brandon Oliver is at this point in his career? I mean, kind he's of. pretty much the same guy. You know, he's a scat backish type guy who, yeah, he can contribute a little bit. But Gordon showed that was the big knock. And I think there may be a little bit of a bias against Gordon uh, from his time in the pre-draft process. OK, he wasn't asked to catch the ball a lot uh, in college, but he showed last year that he was more than capable of doing so. And if you have a weapon like him, you're going to use it. You know, are they the same guy? Well, what what's so bad about Todd Gurley? I mean, yes, last year wasn't that great, but the dude was amazing two years ago. Yeah, so he's being drafted saying, like, 10 picks the later. Guy. That's the only thing. And I, I don't really, you know, the draft spot doesn't really bother me. You know, where was Matt Ryan drafted last year? You know, the draft yeah. spot doesn't, it's not an indicator necessarily to me of anything. I, I think when you look at the overall state of this offense, are they going to use the passing game? Sure, you have Phillip Rivers. Of course, you're going to do that. But in the same right, um, you you have Anthony Lynn. And if we know anything about Anthony Lynn, he likes to run the football. And I, I on the Sirius XM show that I do, we had uh, recordings from Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen. And, you know, I like to read between the lines. I don't hear what they say beforehand. And then I like to process what they say immediately. So I listen to both of those quotes. And you know something interesting that both of them said sort of implicitly? Hunter Henry said, I'm working on blocking. And Keenan Allen said, our blocking has gotten a lot better. Our run blocking has gotten a lot better. They both mentioned blocking. That tells me they're going to run the heck out of the football. And, you know, the the obvious the, the obvious signs here point to Melvin Gordon. And last year showed that he has the potential to be an elite level producer because of the volume he sees. And, you know, another step forward this year could be really impressive with this kid. 
Yeah, I won't. I won't even disagree with you. I have Melvin Gordon as a first round pick. I was just curious, and if you were worried about, you know, the because he was in terms of like passing, like receiving, he finished. I think there was only three running backs who finished with more receiving yards per game, which obviously elevated him to the level that he got last year. And the touchdowns will they stay there? The pat the division they play in is really good for him, though, right? I mean, there's a lot of solid secondaries there. That the passing game they do have a tough schedule. I know that changes year over year, but at the same time, this they did try and build the offensive line. I'm not. I'm not certain that it's all going to work out i know forrest lamb's already out uh but you know if they get a couple pieces if if, if one of those guys pans out it's going to be an upgrade over what they've had so uh, i'm with you though melvin gordon is a first round pick my hand okay guys let's move on to the second round tags i know you like michael thomas i do too with the uh start yeah. of the second round there uh i'm also really fond of gronkowski in the middle of the round <laughs> after gronkowski's gone i'm really not too happy about what i see uh jeff where do you stand here in the second uh, to me, it's a little surprising Jay Ajayi still is going in the second. Um, and a guy who's in a, in a very plus situation here, going to see a lot of work there in a favorable offense for his skill set. And we saw what he was able to do last year. So maybe it's cheating to say him at, at the 13th uh, spot. But, you know, I look down through here. I, I still cannot endorse taking Rob Gronkowski in the second round. And I know people think that I'm absolutely off my rocker. But I think we use selective injury narrative. So why in the world are we moving Jordan Reed down significantly, even though he's playing? Even though he's playing, he's going 50th among uh, among players now in ADP, according to, to your guys' uh, ADP here. But we don't we don't adjust Rob Gronkowski, even though he misses significant time in in you know what two of the last three seasons, uh, he's has one of the longest injury resumes out there. So we want to selectively use our injury narrative to apply to certain players and then overlook others. And I don't care if he's not eating uh, nightshade vegetables on the Tom Brady diet. I mean, yes, it's good that he cut out alcohol and all that, but it <laughs> certainly can't hurt. But let's see this guy, first and foremost, stay healthy. So here's the point. Is Gronk awesome? Yes. He is amazing. He is, he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT at the tight end position. But if he gets hurt, you whiffed a tight end, and you wasted a second-round pick on a tight end where you probably didn't draft a backup since you drafted Gronk. Or if you did, who did you draft as your backup? What do you, what do you have, Gates there? What do you have, Jason Witten, awesome Julius Hooper. Thomas? Yeah, okay, well, you shot for the moon with Austin Hooper, and maybe you get lucky there, or maybe he's Austin Hooper still from last year, where you get a big game followed by, oh, my God, was that Hooper? Oh, wait, it was Josh Perkins who caught the touchdown. (laughs) Thanks, Matt Ryan. You know, you could get that as well. So I I, I don't know if I want to waste that pick there on a tight end. If I'm going to draft a tight end, it would be be I better do it at value. And and you're not getting him at value in the second round. You're getting him at value in the third round, but not in the second round. So I look at some of these guys. I'm not drafting Tom Brady in the second round. That's lunacy. Uh, Same thing with Aaron Rodgers in the second (laughs) round. Completely uh, insane. I'm warming to the idea of Des Bryant with, um, with uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott suspended though. And, And I think Todd Gurley is in store for a rebound year too in this range. So Todd Gurley kind of stands out as, as an intriguing guy for me. Tags, before you jump in, I want to respond to the Gronk thing. I, I do like Jordan Reed, too. I haven't moved him down in my rankings. But, you know, I think Gronk has been moved down. You remember two, last year he was being drafted at the end of the first round. Two years ago he was being drafted number six overall. And he still had the same injury status then. I think it's more likely that Jay Ajayi is going to get hurt than Rob Gronkowski. I mean, he's got knees that he might not be able to walk in three years. So, uh, you know, we could see that go down at any point this year. Gronk, yeah, he's had a lot of injuries. But Jordan Reed's injuries have also been with his head. One more concussion, maybe his career is over. We've seen Rob Gronkowski healthy every single time he's a top 12 VBD player. And I think if it wasn't adjusted for the injuries, he'd be drafted in the first round again. 
Hold on. I think this, I think there's a middle ground here, guys, because I think that it depends on league, right? Like if you're in a shallower league, let's say you're in a 10 team league. I think Gronk's worth more. I, 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 because you're talking about the replacement players that you can have in a 10 team league are, are significant. Whereas like the deeper league you're in, or if you're in a two quarterback format that devalues Gronk, right? Because you're talking about sacrificing the depth at other positions to get him. Now I, I agree with Bobby that I, he's been knocked down and Jeff, in regards to the whole Jordan Reed knock, I think his is because he already has a pre-existing injury the a fracture in his foot that just doesn't sound good for a guy that's been pretty fragile throughout his career and again I'm usually one betting against injuries to happen but right now I would take Greg Olson over Jordan Reed just because Jordan Reed already has a fracture in his foot that that, that that caused them to make special shoes for him. I just think we've seen this before with guys like Julio, guys with Julian Edelman trying to play through foot injuries, Des Bryant, um, even most recently Sammy Watkins. So foot injuries can be terrible for uh, those guys. He's, he's basically a wide receiver. But I, like I said, I think there's a middle ground between the two. I think both of you guys have good points. I just think that one... My question to you, Jeff, would you take Rob Gronkowski over someone like T.Y. Hilton? Because there's questions surrounding him right now, too. Like if, if Luck misses the first couple games, who would you rather have on your team, Hilton or Gronk? Yeah, see, I, I've, I've fortunately not been in a position where I've had to make that kind of a decision. <laughs> right. Um, you know, typically when you look in that range now, Hilton's ADP has really dropped off, obviously, for obvious yeah. reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people are overreacting to this Andrew Luck stuff. I think the the guys or gals out there who take Andrew Luck in the ninth or tenth round are going to end up looking like mad geniuses yes, sir. when we go You're to right. look back at this. He was really good last year, and, and we forget that. He was banged up for most of the season, and they haven't signed a vet. You know, there's there's nobody there. Tolzien, um, Stephen Morris. Maybe we get Stephen Morris under center for week one. Like that's that sounds like fun. Uh, and maybe week two, but I, I, you know, and and your ADP, you have Hilton going twenty four. So you look at Hilton twenty four. You got Cooks at twenty five. Like go Cooks, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, me too. Doug Baldwin's in that range. Maybe I look at Doug Baldwin too because we just know the floor is so high with Doug Baldwin. Even the because running back falls off so dramatically, I'm probably looking at running back and not even considering the wide receivers or uh, or or tight ends in that spot. I, I've I've gone running back, running back, running back in a number of drafts over the last month, and I have yet to be disappointed by the results. Because running back falls off so dramatically, and those late round running backs that people want to take a shot on, like what are you getting? You're getting almost no high ceiling guys. Like maybe Alvin Kamara. Otherwise, you're getting handcuffs or old dudes. And I don't want either of them on my team. I'd rather take the the shot at the late round wide receivers where there is loads of upside. So hammering running back early, I'm, I, you know, Marshawn Lynch in that range. Uh, Maybe maybe one of those uh, those guys falls. You know, you're in ADP right now you have Fournette and Gronkowski. I would probably lean towards Fournette, and I'm not high on Fournette. It's just the direction I go. I agree. I think Gurley. Yeah, Michael Thomas would easily be my favorite pick among this group from 13 to 24. I don't know how he's sliding as far as he is uh, to pick number 17 in ADP right now. But yeah, I'm I'm with Jeff where I usually end up with someone like a Todd Gurley or Leonard Fournette over Gronk. But I think it's an interesting debate and it does force you. It does put you behind the eight ball, right? Because if you take a wide receiver in the first round, then take Gronk in the second, you're going to be essentially left with Lamar Miller, maybe, you know, or Dalvin Cook as your RB1. And it's it's not really a position I want to be in. Kareem Hunt. How about Kareem Hunt there? I mean, he, he better not fall that far because if he does, then your league mates have screwed up because he, he should be arguably like a late second, early third round pick right now. Yeah, early thirds where I ha- I've been advising yeah. and I, I said I would you wouldn't be crazy if you took him in the late second. 
Yeah. Agreed. And yep. So Jeff and I are agreeing on way too many things here. We got to disagree <laughs> at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Tags, why don't you start us with the uh, third round? But first, let's hear from PlayDraft.com. So I got hooked on these best ball leagues last year. Uh, for those of you who haven't played them, it's where you draft a huge 18-team roster. No kicker, no defense. You don't make moves during the season. You don't have to set your lineup, pick up waiver wire guys, make trades. There's so much strategy in the seasons. It just takes your best lineup every single week. So it's like a fresh take at fantasy football. I've been doing all of these on playdraft.com and over on their app. You just type in draft on the app store or play store and it uh, it comes up first. And when you sign up and deposit using playdraft.com slash fantasy pros, you're going to get a free entry into a best ball league. Plus, you're going to get notifications anytime Tags and I create a draft that we can draft against us. Again, that's playdraft.com slash fantasy pros. Okay, Tag, so here in the third round, who are you looking at? Yeah, we've talked about this round before, and this is like the ghost town. This is the round that I I mean, I don't, I'm not excited about. But to see guys like uh, Brandon Cooks and Doug Baldwin at the start of it in ADP, if you get one of those guys in the third round, you should consider it stealing. They both can be considered second round picks. They're both top 12 wide receivers. After that, it's just, it's a purgatory of guys that, you know, Honestly, from the third round to the fifth round, I could make a case for guys in the fifth round going over some of these third round guys. Like, I don't know why DeAndre Hopkins is going as high as he is. I think Dalvin Cook is being overrated right now. He went from a guy that was undervalued at the start of draft season to a guy that's now overvalued because people are taking him in front of guys like Fournette, in front of guys like like Kareem Hunt. And I think that's just crazy. Terrell Pryor, you know, Jeff mentioned uh, Tyreek Hill uh, dealing with some issues in the third preseason game. Terrell Pryor has been a guy that's really struggled throughout the preseason. Uh, he's got three drops on, I think, seven targets. It's not ideal. Uh, we know he's a physical specimen. But again, this is the round that we don't like very much. So uh, to me, Brandon Cooks, I'd take Brandon Cooks over Doug Baldwin. So I'll say that Brandon Cooks is my favorite pick here. But I doubt he falls to you in the third round. Yeah, I'd reach for him in a second just to make sure that I get him. But yeah, then after that, it is really ugly. So I'm probably going to be reaching for someone unless, you know, a Lamar Miller falls. I'm not very happy about it, but that's what happened last night. And uh you know, you got to take the best player available. Jeff, who's your guy in the third round? Yeah, I'm passing on Lamar Miller. Worst in the league in yards after contact last year. Yeah, so he was not, bad. Not entirely stoked about him. Uh, I, I agree that the drafting public has, has uh, for some crazy reason, I don't know where this happened, but his overrating Dalvin Cook at this point. Latavius Murray played for the first time in the preseason this past week. And the thing that I was keying in on now, small sample size, but how do they use him? Because last year, I, I talked about carries inside the five. You know, Matt Asiata had 20 of them last year. Like an insane number for Matt Asiata, which basically meant Jarek McKinnon had none. And that's the way they've run this offense. Like one guy is like the in between the twenties. One guy is the short yardage guy. So do they do that this year? And you know what? Murray had two carries. They were both on second and two. They were both short yardage situations. So really, and they, you know, that's that to me now it's small sample, but it's something we need to pay attention to. Cause if Dalvin cook doesn't get goal line carries all of a sudden, all these, uh, these wishful thoughts are, they're going to go and uh, go bust pretty quickly. Now I th- still think he's got dynamic upside and you got a lot with him there, but as an RB two, not a third rounder though, fourth rounder for me, uh, I look at two names who stand out in this, obviously McCaffrey's there and you know, he's super sexy and who's an Oswald, you put his name on the board, but I look at, uh, uh, Demarius Thomas going at the very end, Demarius Thomas, People are down on both of those receivers, Thomas and Sanders. What has changed in Denver? Absolutely nothing, nothing has changed. Other like the coaching, the coaching has changed to a more pass-heavy coaching offense. Like Mike yep. McCoy's going to yep. throw more. So nothing has changed there. You get him at half a value. Yes, he's doing dinged up with the groin injury. No worries there. They're just precautionary. Isaiah Crowell as well as the other guy. 
I, I like the fact that Kaiser is under center. Now that's volatile as all get up. Like he's got a long way to go. He's it's going to be a rough year, but there are going to be times where Kaiser really looks impressive. There are going to be other times where he looks really bad, but this is better for this offense as a whole for the long haul. We also know though, Hugh Jackson loves to run the football and they were really good at running the football last year. They just didn't do enough of it. So Crowell there behind a great offensive line. If you go RB, 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 and Isaiah Crowell is your third running back, that's not a bad start to a draft. What do you think about that, Bobby? Have you come around on Isaiah Crowell? Like, do you understand the points that everybody's making on him? Oh, yeah, I definitely understand the points. I just, you know, I think that there's going to be so many negative game scripts that uh, that Crowell's, again, not going to end up with that much volume. Um, and they're going to pass to Duke Johnson when they're playing from behind quite a bit. So I don't like him at number 30. I'd take him in the in the start of the fourth round. I don't have a problem with that. He's a great second running back. Um, but there's guys I'd prefer more. Kareem Hunt, as you mentioned. I think most of our listeners will be able to get Kareem Hunt in the third round. And I think you ought to pull the trigger. And then my guy after him, Demarius Thomas, as Jeff mentioned. I mean, he's pretty much a lock for 85 receptions, 950 yards, handful of touchdowns, maybe more. Um, and so I think that's a nice, safe play in the third round when a lot of these guys um, are just too risky for me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, moving on to the fourth round, and it's it's kind of funny because I'm seeing Carlos Hyde here at 37, which is kind of nuts, right? Because all offseason, including my drafts I've done recently, Carlos Hyde tends to fall into the fourth or the fifth round. So to see him here at the start of the fourth, it's kind of surprising because he, he tends to fall further than that. And I've been advocating for this guy all offseason. There, there's a massive talent gap in between him and everybody else in that roster. The Joe Williams talk, it was kind of comical. Uh, to me, the fact that Carlos Hyde was going to get cut, that was comical. Uh, but now they're saying, you know, he looks the part. He dedicated his body this offseason, yada, yada, yada. If Carlos Hyde plays 16 games, he's finishing as a top 12 running back. I, I, I stand by that. You know, the stat I've thrown out before is that 22 of the top 24 running backs last year totaled 190 or more carries. So when I see guys like Christian McCaffrey going ahead of Carlos Hyde, I'm like, wait a minute, guys, you guys are betting it kind of against the trend. I understand, like Jeff said, he's the sexy pick and he's, you know, he's a dynamic playmaker. I get that. But he, I also think he may be an, an eight to 12 touch guy, whereas Carlos Hyde is going to be seeing 15 plus touches every single week in a Kyle Shanahan led offense. And Brian Hoyer has been able to work a competent offense before. Pierre Garçon is a solid piece receiver. Marquise Goodwin has looked solid. I'm not expecting a whole lot. I don't like that they traded away Vance McDonald. Um, that's a piece we didn't really talk about. Uh, but Carlos Hyde, you know, I think by default, he's finishing better than the RB18, which is what he's going as right now. And again, I, to see him here at 37, I have not seen him go that high in any drafts. So I'm, I'm kind of, it's kind of puzzling for me to see him here. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on Carlos Hyde? Am I, am I out of my mind here? Absolutely not. We agree yet again. Uh, he, I got him in the seventh round. Now it was a 10 teamer. Oh, that is so year, stupid. <laughs> seventh, seventh round of a home draft, home league draft. And it's like one of those where, you know, I thought even in the, the way my team shaped out, I, I went RB, 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 right. And then started hitting wide receiver and, it, and was, he was still there. I'm like, you guys are just going to leave him here. I'm going to take him, yeah. you know, at that point it was early seven. So, but regardless, um, yeah, the situation, the whole Jill Williams thing, I actually had Adam Schefter humble brag on the uh, Sirius XM <laughs> show. And he came in and said, this was a couple weeks ago. He said, the name Matt Breida is something that everybody needs to know at this point. Yeah. He's ahead of Joe Williams. 
And lo and behold, he was exactly right. Here, Matt Breida is ahead of Joe Williams. Joe Williams, I mean, does he make the team? Doesn't he make the team? Or, you know, is he a practice squad guy? That That's yet to be determined because Tim Hightower's there. He's going to make the team. Matt Breida looks like he's going to make the team. And obviously, Carlos Hyde, do they carry for? You know, that that's, that's going to be interesting. I think they ultimately do. And Joe Williams does make the team. But either way, uh, Hyde is in a great spot. He is in a great spot. And he showed that he, he, that, that touchdown run, that wasn't like, you know, that wasn't a short little, uh, dink and dunk. I mean, he took that ball and then, and, and run after catch got into the end zone, uh, in week three of the preseason, you get him at a nice value. So I don't mind that at all. I, I think you're right though. Tags that's, that's early in terms of ADP. I've, I have not seen him going this early anywhere. Uh, and then you look at some of the other guys in this round, it, it it's kind of ugly, but, um, you know, now Ty Montgomery, I think my nerves have calmed a little bit that he showed he's going 45 in ADP. I, my nerves have calmed a little bit because of the third preseason game. He actually ripped off a nice run. They gave him a goal line carry. And we know he's a good receiver out of the backfield. The question was the early down work. And it looks like he has separated himself from Jamal Williams. So now you do lock him in as that mid range RB two. I can't believe Ty Montgomery's stock has fallen so much because he just looks so much better than Jamal Williams, and it's a great offense and situation to be in. Yeah, when you're in that area, the draft, yeah, Ty Montgomery's a solid pick there. Um, now, Jeff, do you think it's – um, I know you just said that he's not going to. I think it's a possibility that Tim Hightower gets cut. I think they invested a lot in Joe Williams, and again, they may carry the four running backs, but do you, do you not think it's like – do you think it's like a 0% chance that Tim Hightower gets cut? I wouldn't say zero. There's never zero. I mean, any anybody can get cut in the NFL. We knew that. I, you know, they gave him the, the, the game off. Now, that, that's the question. How do we read into that? Is that is that a scenario like, all right, this is an older guy who we do want on the team. We don't want him banged up, so take the week off. Or is it, uh, all right, we've seen everything we need to see. We're just <laughs> waiting until the time when we are allowed to cut you. Because the rules are different this year, right? They allow them to keep these guys a little bit longer because the teams were going into the fourth preseason game saying, hey, we already had roster cutdowns. We got to play some of our stars. We don't want to play these guys in the fourth preseason game. So they changed those rules up. I, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure what's going to play out there. Uh, for dynasty purposes, though, you know everybody was a buzz about Joe Williams early on there, and uh, you know good combine, co- good combine performance, good performance after he quote unquote retired from football <laughs> last year. Um, but you know, small sample size, and and you know just because a coach talks somebody up in rookie minicamp doesn't necessarily mean that's going to come to fruition during the season. You know? Yeah. Yep. Okay, guys, so this is, I really love the fourth round, by the way. I love Joe Mixon. Uh, I know that Jeremy Hill is technically starting, but Mixon's getting all the carries there right now. He looks electric, and Jeremy Hill just kind of looks like a turd, like he has been. Uh, so I think this offense, this Cincinnati offense, is going to score a lot of points. I know their offensive line isn't as good, but they've got some serious weapons. Green, Eifert, Joe Mixon, they're going to put up some points. Uh, I also love Devontae Adams here. As Tags talked about in the last show, the wide receiver tiers, uh, he was just so good last year once he finally got on the field. Keenan Allen's still my boy. He looks pretty awesome. I know that uh, the Jeff is saying the Chargers are going to run more, but Keenan Allen, when he has played, has been dynamite, getting a ton of targets. Uh, Ty Montgomery, we talked about. C.J. Anderson, I'm a fan of. And I even reached for Sammy Watkins in the end of the fourth round. Uh, I've already given my reasons for that, though. Yeah, Sammy's going in the fifth round. I mean, let's go to the fifth round. Uh, so, Bobby, let's give you the chance to start off the fifth round. So in between picks 49 and 60, who is your favorite guy in there? So is it is it Watkins? Oh, it's yeah, it's definitely Watkins. Uh, after Watkins, I like Jordan Reed. I don't think he should be going in the fifth. Uh, Allen Robinson is close. If he drops, I'm, I'm pulling the trigger. Not above Sammy Watkins, but I still like Allen Robinson. 
Um, Golden Tate, Larry Fitzgerald, I just think they're safe plays, probably 90-plus receptions, which means, you know, 900-plus yards, maybe 1,100 yards. Neither of them is going to score a ton of touchdowns, but it's a safe play, and I'm even reaching for uh, for Bilal Powell here in the fifth round. All right, Jeff. So who do you like in this round? Martavis Bryant is screaming my name um, right there. I just think that it's hard to find the upside, like the ceiling that he he potentially offers you as the 25th wide receiver off the board. Or would you prefer someone safe like Larry Fitzgerald in this range? You know, if it's a PPR, I don't mind taking Larry Fitzgerald in this range. Uh, he gets a little bit overlooked. And last year, I mean, what did he rank? Fifth in, in uh, targets um, uh, among wide receivers. So massive volume. I don't think that's going to change this year. Um, Bryant, I find that Bryant goes before I'm willing to take him in almost every draft. He is that sexy pick. I've seen him go in the fourth round in a lot of instances. In the same right, somebody we didn't talk about in the previous round keeps falling, Allen Robinson. And I get it. I understand why people are down on him. I know you're scorned from last year because he was a first-round pick and he didn't finish that way. But now he's about a fourth or fifth round pick. And there Mm -hmm. becomes a point where everybody is a value. And you're telling me a guy who's shown in the past that he can be a wide receiver one. I don't expect 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns this year. But he's shown in the past that he can do that, that he is capable of doing that. He sees heavy volume in the offense. And I don't care if it's Blake Bortles or Johnny Manziel or Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady, it's going to be a whole lot better. (laughs) But regardless, I don't care who's thrown him the ball. Give him to me in the fifth round. Just yeah. you're handing to me on, on a silver platter. So he's right on that turn of the fourth, fifth, or fifth, sixth, uh, fourth, fifth. That is in the ADP. So I don't mind looking at him there. What's the difference between him and DeAndre Hopkins? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good point. I, we've seen a, a tad bit more out of DeAndre Hopkins, but DeAndre Hopkins going significantly ahead of him in these in this ADP. It is really interesting. A couple other quick players to mention here: Kelvin Benjamin. I think looks well beyond that injury, and last year. I mean, in standard, he was the number 20 wide receiver, so 24th wide receiver here in ADP, not a bad spot. And that uh, that offense is going to be a little bit different this year with the more dynamic guys in the offense. And then you mentioned Billy Powell. Uh, if please cut Forte, please yes. can we cut Forte? Can we can I can I get some eighty-five yard touchdown receptions on a weekly <laughs> bet? And I don't expect a weekly basis, but you know the pal showed. You know, it, granted that was a foot race to the end zone, and he, he looked like he tied a refrigerator on it about the fifteen yard line. <laughs> he was about caught, but regardless, below pal could see heavy volume if they do end up cutting Forte because yeah. I don't think they find a trade partner. So him in this in in this range of the draft fifth sixth round range, wow, yeah, I definitely like that. Yeah, love yeah, it. If you go wide receiver heavy early and you get three wide receivers and then grab two running backs, so maybe in the fourth fifth sixth round, uh, Bilal Powell is definitely one of those guys. Amir Abdullah is someone. I don't, I don't want to take him in the fifth round. He's right there on the border of the fifth and sixth round. I, I think that people have forgotten how good Amir Abdullah can be. Uh, he's someone that was drafted by Detroit over David Johnson. And if you recall, the Arizona Cardinals wanted to draft Amir Abdullah over David Johnson. Like, the talent level is there with him. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Granted, it's somewhat of a timeshare, but it's also a better situation than Bilal Powell. Those two, I have a dif- I have difficulty trying to dis- decide between the two, but I do think it's Bilal Powell and PPR, maybe Amir Abdullah and Standard. All right, so guys, sixth round, and uh, I've come a long way on Stephon Diggs. I actually have him as my favorite target here in the sixth round now over Mike Gillisley. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying I'm worried about Rex Burkhead, but I am worried that Gillisley's not going to be consistent. Like one week, we're just going to have, uh, you know, eight carries instead of the 15 that I would hope for. And uh, Stephon Diggs, I don't think that's going to be the case whatsoever. They have by far the easiest schedule. Stephon Diggs is a dynamite athlete. 
And, uh, you know, he has a good connection with Sam Bradford. So I'm a big believer in him here. I also like uh, Doug Martin, but this is the highest I'll go is the sixth round. His ADP is now in the sixth round. I was a big truther, but this is getting too high, guys. It's getting out of control, Tex. <laughs> Doug Martin around the RB28. I'm okay with that. I think that he's going to come back and steal that starting job. But I want to go back to Diggs because this is an interesting thing. I had someone ask me earlier today on whether or not I liked Adam Thielen at all. And I said, no, not particularly. And the reason I can't like him very much is because if we're projecting Kyle Rudolph to finish as a top eight tight end, which I think he is, if we're if I'm projecting Stefan Diggs to break out, we can't really expect much out of Thielen. I don't think that this offense and Sam Bradford can support three, you know, relevant fantasy players. And on top of that, people are talking about Dalvin Cook like he's a third round pick. I don't think he is. Uh, but again, I like Diggs so much that I can't like Thielen too much. And Diggs would have been my pick in this round as well because Kareem Hunt's here, but we know that that's it's, it's just a lagging ADP. So I'm not going to talk about him. But Jeff, what are your takes on Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen? Do you think that I mean, I love that they're saying that Stefan Diggs is not going to be locked into that slot role. That They're going to they're going to play him outside and they're also going to move him into the slot. And that's going to allow them to create mismatches, even though I don't know if they need to considering their schedule where he's not going to see basically any shutdown corners throughout the season. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what what the transition is for this offense. You know, we've we've heard that Shermer is kind of going to incorporate a variety of backgrounds. I mean, this is a guy who he has the West Coast experience. He has this sort of spread uh, Chip Kelly influence as well that that he's going to incorporate. And then the very interesting thing is typically when you hear West Coast offense, you think zone blocking. They're running power blocking, you know, that's Sperano's running power blocking. So you'll have some zone and some power, probably one of the most power blocking heavy teams. So it's a really interesting offense. And I think that could create some room for digs. The problem as you, you know, Sam, Sam Bradford there does cap some of the upside, but I found that digs, Bobby, you're right. He does fall a little bit. He's he's an interesting value where he goes. And I do prefer him over Thielen. You know, I think he's the he's the clear top target there. However, when you look in this round, I see Emmanuel Sanders there, and, and it's just I can't pass him up in this range. Yeah, he's, you know, a good he's one. going. I've seen him go later than this too. He's wide receiver twenty nine in this ADP. I've seen him go as far as wide receiver thirty four across industry ADP. So he stands out. And then uh, the other guy, I might take a stab on if it's standard or even half point PPR. Not PPR, though, is Brandon Marshall, just because of the, the red zone presence. I think you could see, you know, Brandon Marshall, would you would we say that he has over 900 yards this year? Probably, I mean, that, that'd be really pushing it. But could we say that he has over seven or eight touchdowns? I think he could. I mean, he really, last year we saw uh, Sterling Shepard have eight touchdowns in that offense. So he very well could. And I thought Eli Manning, for what it's worth, did actually look decent in that third preseason game yeah and if Odell Beckham misses the first week against the Cowboys Marshall should torment that secondary like he Marshall would be a must play if Odell Beckham misses that game all right guys so let's do the seventh and eighth round together and then we'll get to some later targets here before we run out of time um so I'm looking at this next tier uh Jeff who do you like here in the seventh and eighth well, this is the time of the draft where I typically, if I'm going to start looking at quarterback, then this is going to be the area to do so. If somehow everybody falls asleep at the wheel and Matt Ryan falls to this range, then you just obviously pull the trigger. But in this range where you see guys going in, in terms of ADP, you have Jameis, you have Carr, you have Newton. I'm not as high on Carr as a lot of others are because I'm worried about touchdown regression. I mean, he has 60 touchdown passes over the last two years and did not top 4,000 yards. Now, he very likely would have done it last year, obviously, if he didn't get hurt in Week 15. But still, any touchdown regression, and then all of a sudden, we could be looking at a scenario like Matt Ryan had 4,700 yards passing, you know, plus in 2015, but he had 21 touchdowns. 
and that's why he went undrafted last year. So we saw the upward regression with him. We could see some out, a downward with Derek Carr. I actually have warmed to the idea of Cam Newton because he's fallen to a point now, quarterback 10, where that's a value. This is a guy who's been a top five fantasy quarterback in four out of six years as a pro. Four out of six years. Now, short-term memory says, well, he wasn't last year, but he was the year before. In fact, he was the number one overall the year before, and they got him a few more weapons. Now, you, you know, we hear Rivera saying we don't know what to expect out of him in week one. You're not going to win your fantasy championship in week one anyway, so don't worry too much about what happens in September. You get him at a nice value. If you're looking elsewhere, though, you already got a quarterback or you want to wait till the late rounds. I like Paul Perkins in this range. Stands out as a guy who has the potential to break out. Yeah, you're not drafting him as an RB2. You're drafting him as an RB3, and he's really the only guy there. You have some tight end value. Uh, Kyle Rudolph continues to be a value. Delaney Walker falls into this range, which to me is a great value. And, of course, Devontae Parker Mm -hmm. is going in this range in this ADP, but he's not going to go in this range on draft day. I think at this point, you almost have to look at him in like the fifth or sixth, well, fifth round. I've seen him go. So that's probably where you have to start looking at him. Yeah, if he's in the sixth, I'm taking Devontae Parker there. I think this is kind of a dead zone. So yeah, I'm getting my quarterback here too. For me, it's Andrew Luck, and then I'll just you know, pick up Sam Bradford for a week or two while I need to, whoever's out on the on the waiver wire. I also like Kirk Cousins here if he lasts until the eighth round. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I'm reaching on, on, some, on some guys that I like. Jeremy Macklin I'm reaching on. Uh, maybe I'll take a Frank Gore if I still need a, uh, a third running back. There's just not much that I like here. So uh, I'm reaching. Tags, who are your guys? Yeah, Paul Perkins was someone that Jeff mentioned that I, I I just continue to be befuddled at how people overlook him. He's in a high-scoring offense. He's the workhorse running back there. I don't know who you're worried about stealing work from him. Uh, I know people are worried. He looked bad in the preseason. The, the offensive line looked bad. The offensive line has been bad. But did you start Rashad Jennings when he was a starter for the Giants? You did. And this kid is better than Rashad Jennings. He should be anyways. But again, to get a workhorse running back down here is the 31st running back off the board behind guys like Frank Gore, who's going to get you fifth place in your league, LeGarrette Blunt, who's going to lose your league. It, it just kind of blows my mind. Martellus Bennett is someone who I've ended up with on a lot of teams. Uh, I just feel like when you're when you're playing with the tight end position, it's a very volatile position. So tie your guy to a, a quarterback who's a, a, bit, a bit more consistent. And I think Martellus Bennett is going to play with the best quarterback he's ever played with in Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, hot take and all that stuff. It might he be an upgrade from Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. I know it might be an upgrade from Tom Brady, guys. Um, but Devontae Parker, I, I the re- I want to this I want to hammer the home here is that Jake Cutler twice over his career has supported two top twenty four fantasy wide receivers, and he did that in offenses that you know for Mark Trustman. We've seen Mark Trustman in the, in the league, so we don't really want to judge too much on Cutler there. But his season that Cutler played under Adam Gase in Chicago, his top receivers, I mean Marquise Wilson, Josh Bellamy, Mark Mariani. This is who Jake Cutler was throwing to under Adam Gase, and and he still had his, one of his most efficient seasons in the league. So when, you know, last year at this time, we heard nothing but bad things about Devontae Parker and the fact that, you know, the, the Dolphins, Adam Gase, the whole staff was upset with him saying that they didn't feel like the motivation was there. His work ethic wasn't as great as they'd want it to be. We're here. We heard a complete 180 this offseason. Everything up to this level. He changed his diet. He changed his workout. He, like the kid finally woke up. And I've said this before is that. Sometimes we forget that they're kids, you know, like Devontae Parker, when he came in the league, what was he, 22 years old? And he's still young, but he's figuring it out. And if he can wrap his mind around that, he can be a wide receiver one. He's one of those guys that's being drafted out in this range. But Jarvis Landry, I'm not saying Jarvis Landry is going to go away, but Jay Cutler has never traditionally targeted a lot of slot receivers, but he's never had one like Jarvis Landry, right? 
I happen to be of the mindset that I think both Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry can both be decent fantasy weekly options. Devontae Parker obviously has the higher ceiling, and I, I, we've seen that. I, he's wide receiver 35 here, but in, in recent drafts that I've done, he's moving up into that wide receiver 28 uh, to 30 range. All right, guys, so let's move on to some later picks. And these guys, for me, I, I know Jeff doesn't especially like the handcuffs, but I do some of these higher upside handcuffs. Samaje Ryan is my number one guy. I just think he's too good to not take over the job from Robert Kelly. Again, this is a high upside offense. It's going to score a lot of points. Uh, I love Ke- uh, John Brown, who's coming on the show later this week. Uh, Kevin White is my guy, and I'm reaching for him now. I'd take him at top 110. Uh, he got sniped from me one pick before me last night, and I was pretty bummed about that. And then some of the tight ends here, Eric Ebron, uh, Hunter Henry. I'm a big fan of both those guys. Zach Ertz, I'd take him if I don't have a tight end yet. Jeff, I want to ask your opinion on this because, you know, you're someone we've agreed through a lot of the show, right? And Kevin White, okay, I'm from Chicago. I know a lot of people are down on Kevin White. They're saying that he's he's a bum and this and that. I don't think that we can actually judge Kevin White yet. I'm not saying that he's going to be what the Bears drafted at number seven overall. But what I'm saying is that we don't know exactly who Kevin White is yet. We've seen him in four games played. You can't judge a player on that. With that being said, the Bears offense had 388 tar- uh, wide receiver targets last year. We've lost, I think, 200. I think Pat Thorman tweeted this out earlier. Like 270 of them are gone. Kevin White is going to walk into a minimum of 110, 120 targets, right? I mean, how how are we viewing him? Even if you don't believe in his talent level, where should Kevin White be going in fantasy drafts right now? Well, if you don't believe in his talent level, you haven't watched him over the course of his career. You know, he was a kid coming out of West Virginia who really, he relied heavily on his athleticism, didn't necessarily have to be a polished receiver, but relying on that athleticism got him to where he was drafted, right? And and we know that when you have a guy of his size who can run like the wind, who can run 4-3, uh, that's really, really impressive. The problem with him was the running style, you know, and, and somebody pointed this out to me, one of my uh, Twitter followers, I, I said, well, you know, how do you realign somebody's running style? Like, that's, we're not cars. And, and he said, well, they're maybe not saying it the right way. He, he was running heel-toe. So when you run heel-toe, your heel hits first, then your toe comes into the ground. And for somebody like me or you guys like it's not really a big deal but when you're a fine-tuned specimen like him the torque that was hitting his legs because of that was the problem ultimately and that's why he kept getting hurt so if he started running on the balls of his feet that changes things and that's what he's been working on so if he can stay healthy let's not forget he almost averaged 10 targets a game over the first four weeks of the season last year so I love I love Kevin White Uh, I don't love Mike Glennon I mean I guess that's the big knockoff or the, the downgrade here and the fact that Trubisky couldn't pass up Sanchez on the depth chart, that doesn't help the cause either. I think there's been times where Trubisky's shown flashes in the preseason, but then, then there's times where he looks like a rookie, and there's been times where Mike Lennon has looked absolutely terrible, and then in week three, he kind of redeemed himself a little bit and looked a little bit better. But regardless, you get Kevin White for a bologna sandwich in the end of the draft. Why not? I, I you know, you're you're talking about the top receiver on his team. Yes, and Robbie there's another Anderson, yeah. you know, Robbie Anderson. Same thing. You're, you're getting him for nothing. And are are we really thinking the Jets are going to score zero points and average zero passing yards per game? Like really, they're <laughs> no. going. To, somebody's going to get fantasy points there, so we might as well get these guys at value. So I, yeah, I love taking Kevin White late. Absolutely love it. Hey, by the way, Antonio Brown first four career games. 27 yards, zero touchdowns. So four games, you can't judge him. <laughs> so I want to chime in on this and the fact that, Jeff, you were talking about Trubisky. And so obviously watching the Bears as closely as I do, Glennon's 
he looked awful. Um, the third preseason game, yes, he he looked a lot better, and it, it it really changed things because Ryan Pace has said, "I do not want Mitch Trubisky playing in 2017. He will not play in 2017." It got to the point where Glennon was so bad that they had to say, "Oh my God!" Like if John Fox wants to plead for his job, he has to say, "I need to put the best player on the field." So fortunately for for Ryan Pace and Mitch Trubisky. Glennon showed up in in week three and he looked at least competent and that's what they needed. the The fact that Sanchez is there, don't worry about that. It's it's more of the Bears not wanting to play Trubisky because Ryan Pace is attached to him and if they throw him into action too early, it's going to stunt his growth. It, it could be like a Jared, Jared Goff scenario. Whereas like la- this time last year, people were talking about Goff and if someone traded two first round picks for him, it would have been nothing. You know, like it would have been a good trade for a team that needed a quarterback. Whereas someone like the Bears, I don't think they're in contention for a Super Bowl this year. I think their defense is better than expected, but they wanted Mike Glennon to have this job for at least a year. I think he does hold on to it to the point where John Fox may get fired over it. Uh, but Trubisky, actually, he is the real deal. Uh, he and I, I'm not a Bears homer or anything like that. I will be honest about the, Bear, the Bears players, but Trubisky, he's he all the tools are there. He just he looks the part. He's doing it. And yes, you're right. He does make some rookie mistakes, but they're they're correctable ones. They're not the dumb ones where it's like he's not seeing ghosts and he's not uh, not going through his pro- progressions and things like that. All the fundamentals are there for Trubisky. And uh, if he were starting, I'd feel better about Kevin White. But the fact that he, Kevin White is walking into as many targets as he is, there's definitely value. And I think you can actually say the same thing about Kendall Wright, because I think both of them are on the verge of seeing over 100 targets this year. So, Tags, who are some of your uh, your late round targets that you're going for? You know, you mentioned John Brown. We talked to him about him on the show. We're going to be talking to him on the show on Friday. We've rescheduled that. I'm psyched to talk to him. Uh, but going down here, I mean, if you're looking in this range, Jeremy Macklin and John Brown, those are the two wide receivers. If you end up with those two guys as your wide receiver three and wide receiver four, I'm good with yeah. that. John Brown needs to stay on the field. That's important. He really does. Uh, but you know, this is the range where you reach on your guys, right? So that's where you need to go. I think Marvin Jones is an interesting target who's going right outside this range. If you're in a PPR league, James White should not be going as the RB 47 guys. Like, like seriously, he, James White is going to finish as a top 30 PPR running back. I wouldn't draft him as a top 30 PPR running back because the upside there is limited. But if you're going to throw him in, if you have a league with like, say, two flex spots, throw John, th- throw a hit, James White in there and just let him do his thing. And he's going to do you a solid drafting him as, as late as he's going. OK, so a few more of my names. Zay Jones, I absolutely love. Uh, Ted Ginn is another one of my guys. Jeff, can you give us a few more names before we end this thing? Well, yeah, and I actually want to talk about Marvin Jones. I mean, if we're drafting Kenny Galladay ahead of Marvin yeah. Jones, again, we're not watching oh. football here. Yes. Marvin Jones is number two. Kenny Galladay is the three. And you know what's going to end up happening is somebody's going to draft him excited because of the two-touchdown performance in the first preseason game. He's going to do nothing for the first three weeks. They're going to say, he stinks, and then drop him. <laughs> you know and that you know that's going to happen. So Marvin Jones, I love that call. It's a great call. Ted Ginn's another great call, too, because would it, would it surprise us if Ted Ginn has a career year this year, if Ted Ginn is actually the number two receiver mm-hmm. there which could no. still happen that is still on the table like Willie Sneed has not run away with that and as of right now you're getting Ted Ginn basically for nothing and you still have to pay for Willie Sneed in drafts and I wanted to talk about why I don't like taking handcuffs later in the draft and it's the same same reason why I just mentioned with Kenny Galladay 
I, I ultimately, yes, I agree. Samaje Pirine is going to pass up Rob Kelly at some point, but it's not going to happen in September. And what happens with a lot of owners out there, maybe they're not patient like uh, some of the folks who are who work in the fantasy industry. They draft Samaje Pirine. It gets to week four. They say, this guy stinks, and they drop him. You know, <laughs> it happens every year. That Last year, Jay Ajayi, this guy stinks. Okay, you dropped him, and he really doesn't stink. He's really actually freaking good at football. So that's, that's the problem with taking guys like, like that late in drafts is ultimately you set yourself up for your first several drops as opposed to I like I would rather go after if I'm going to go after upside instead of a handcuff running back let me go after a guy who can get on the field a number three wide receiver or in some instances like some of these guys we've mentioned number one receivers but you could look at you mentioned Zay Jones I don't mind that the, the team concerns me a little bit but uh, you could look at Torrey Smith who finally people took notice of after he scored a 50 yard touchdown but he is the number two in that offense you could look to Josh Dock who, yeah, Jay Gruden said, hey, we don't know what's going on here. You know, we, he, we we haven't seen enough of him is basically the quote. And, you know, directly, I don't think it's an indictment uh, here. He said, we've only had him for a year and he's done. He hasn't done a lot for us. So basically Gruden saying we don't know what we have with him. Not like mm-hmm. he stinks. He's he right. said we've only had him for a year. It's not like this guy's been here since 1972 and we don't know what we have. <laughs> you know, so Doxon, he's shown upside. I, I don't mind taking a flyer on him. John Ross late, maybe, you know, because you have upside there, but really, really late. Or Tyler Lockett, a guy who has flashed upside already and looks yeah. like he'll be good to go in the beginning of the season. Lots of, of wide receivers there. You could also go after late round quarterbacks in this range. I love the late round quarterback and I go safe and upside. So I go Andy Dalton because he's basically a quarterback too. And that's what he is. And Carson Wentz, right? All right. Now we got some upside and we got Andy Dalton. We know we have at least a quarterback 18, right? Um, <laughs> tight ends in the late round. You mentioned your guy, Austin Hooper. I agree, but I do want to pair him up with somebody. So if I go late round tight end, I'll go Austin Hooper and Julius Thomas, or I'll go, uh, um, Kobe Fleener and Jason Witten. Like one guy has upside, mm-hmm. the other guy has a higher floor, but maybe not the higher ceiling, right? So that's the approach generally that I've been trying to take. Yeah, Jason Witten continues to be undervalued, especially in PPR leagues. At a position that is it's so volatile and so touchdown dependent, like last year, if you scored a touchdown as a tight end, you were going to finish as a top 15 tight end. So uh, Jason Witten provides you some stability, especially when Des Bryant is seeing the, the attention that he is, the lack of options there, no Ezekiel Elliott for six games. Jason Witten, if you stack your roster everywhere else and then end up with Jason Witten and Austin Hooper as your tight ends, you should be more than happy with that. Uh, Jeff, thanks for hopping on, man. I know uh, yeah, we've, we, we're great. kind of wrapping up up here but i want to give you a fist bump because i know jeff and i when we used to argue on like the pff pods we never agreed on players but this year it seems like we're in sync so uh it, it's, it's, i'm happy i'm happy to be in agreement with you jeff i think i'll, I'll end it there <laughs> yeah we gotta we gotta go hop in the delorean go back in time and tell those guys they didn't know what they were talking about <laughs> yes, we do. thanks a lot jeff it was a lot of fun absolutely guys thank you And for those of you guys listening at home, we do have one more show coming up this week. We're going to give some hot takes and talk to John Brown from the Arizona Cardinals. So make sure to tune in for that. And make sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes so you can get your entries in for the Odell Beckham signed jersey giveaway from Pristine Auction. Thank you to pristineauction.com for sponsoring today's show along with playdraft.com slash fantasy pros. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve. 